Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. David had a skilled or a technical, they'll figure out the volume as we go, technical advantage over his enemy. He had a slinger's advantage because he knew if he kept a distance from Goliath, then he'd be able to take out a swordsman each and every time, every time. We understand that David's ultimate advantage was not a skill, but listen to this, a spiritual advantage. The real advantage was his ability to trust God. We looked last week that his voice was his first weapon. He declared what God was going to do before he ever went into battle. Let's read this real quick, and we looked at it last week, but let's pull out your notes, and let's kind of get some context for where we're going today. So pull out your notes, 1 Samuel 17, 45. Adrienne, please read. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. The real advantage that David had was his spiritual trust in the Lord. David said, you come against me. David recognized the resistance for what it was. I'm looking at a giant, but here's the deal. I'm not fighting this giant by myself, and I'm not fighting this giant for myself. The enemy is going to come against you. David is not complaining that he's getting attacked. David knows there's going to be a fight. He said, you come after me with the sword. He recognized the fact that there was a fight that was about to take place. He didn't hide the fact that there was a struggle. The struggle is real. Can anybody relate? The struggle is real. But what we can learn from David, he continued to trust in the Lord in the revelation or the realization of their being in the struggle. So let's look at your notes. We're going to keep reading. In, uh, Jesus warned us in, in John 16, 33. Read this. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says this right after he's talking about sorrow and pain in a previous Bible verse. He says, in a little while you will see me and then you won't. A few verses later, Jesus says, when I'm gone, the world will rejoice, but you will be, but will be sorrowful. Look at what it says in John 16, 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Then he goes on to talk about there will be tribulation in the world, but know that I have overcome the world. How is it that we in our sorrow can be joyful in a tribulation and we come to the understanding that Jesus overcame the world? The answer is one word, and it is what we are going to talk about today. The word in your notes, David and Goliath, is advantage. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have the advantage. What is coming up against you currently in this season as a believer? All of us are facing different things. But here is the thing that you need to recognize and understand. As a believer, you have the advantage. 
And I'm going to show you what that looks like. Here is the issue. Very few act on the advantage that they know that they have. Every believer, as you go through life and stuff comes against you, you either let it take you down or you take it down. David went after it. We looked at it in the last two weeks in different forms. David acted on his advantage. Adrienne used to be a public school teacher. She loved it. She was great at it. Uh, I remember her going to school one time, and she called and asked me to go pick up Matthew because Matthew wasn't feeling too well. And so um, when I walked in the door, there was this panicked look on the office, te- uh, what are they called, aides? Office secretaries, office staff. When I walked in the door, they looked very panicked. And I walked in and said, hey, what, everything going all right? And they're like, are you Adrienne's husband? And I said, yes. Like, is something wrong with her? Like, like, what's going on? And she said, you can be trusted. I've never met these people before. She's like, we know you, we know you can, we can trust you then if you're Adrian's husband. There's a kid that just got his head stuck in the poles out on the jungle gym, and we can't get his head outside of the poles. Can you go out there and help get this kid's head unstuck from the jungle gym? I, I laughed, and I was like, yeah, I can go out there. And I went out there, and sure enough, all these kids were all standing around watching this kid. His head was stuck. His rear sticking out. He's ah! He's screaming like a little, you know, like he's stuck in the ball. I, so I went out there and began to comfort him and talk to him, waiting for a teacher to bring Vaseline. And, man, we greased that kid's head all up and his neck all up, and it popped right out of there. But what happened was whenever I was talking to the teacher that we were waiting on, I just said, how much do you love teaching? Because I know whenever I ask that, the question to Adrienne, I know when I ask that to Kern, I know when I've asked that, they just jump into this whole spiel that I never really wanted to know about. But they love doing what they do. They love teaching. But whenever I asked her, she responded with like solid griping. Um, we don't have the parent support that we need. We don't have the principal support that we need. We don't have the funding that we need. Just began to complain. Uh, These kids are crazy. These parents are even crazier. And I listened to her and I kept thinking, my wife is in the same school, but she has a different story. Adrienne would say, I don't have the parent support, but it allows me to be an opportunity for that kid. She would come home and say, hey, do you mind if we buy this children clothing because they don't have it? She would come home and say, hey, these kids don't have breakfast. Can we pay for their breakfast? Of course. Adrienne would tell me, it allows me an opportunity to see how people that don't have God in their life live and use that to maybe give hope to that child. Here's the thing we need to understand. Same school. Same school system. Same students, both teachers were reading from the same playbook. One saw their advantage and one didn't. One griped and one ministered. I've I've heard of church attending people over the years tell me, well, my family situation is just different, so things are always going to be harder for my family. Uh, you just don't understand what I've been through, what I'm going through. Uh, it, it's just not fair that your business does well and mine doesn't. It's just not fair that your marriage is good and mine isn't. It's just not fair. We had um, one family tell my parents, you all have set unrealistic expectations on what a family is supposed to look like, and we can never meet that. 
My dad, whenever he told me this, was laughing and saying, well, I guess the Bible has an unrealistic expectation of how we are to live and because it can't be achievable if that one family can't achieve it. Here is the deal. We are all reading from the same playbook. We all have the word of God. That means as a believer, you have the advantage. Just because I am a pastor does not give me an advantage. Just because I own a business does not give me a better advantage. For the believer who wants to operate in the advantage, you do what David did and you learn how to trust God and what that advantage looks like. Even in the middle of struggles, it doesn't matter what your situation looks like, what does the word of God say? It doesn't matter what I'm told, what someone says about me, what someone tries to come against me. What does the word of God say about me? It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what they talk about, what they murmur about. It doesn't matter what another church is going through. It doesn't matter what somebody else's issue. What does the word of God say? And that is all that matters when it comes to the advantage that I walk in. Goliath had been defying the people of God for 40 days, and they put up with it. But David didn't. Let's look at your text again in verse 45. It says, you came to me this way, but I came to you in the name of the Lord. Here is the interesting thing. Any one of those Israelite men could have said the very same thing David did. God's hand was upon the people of Israel. God's hand would have been upon the fighters, the warriors of the people who were in that fighting, in that fighting situation, that battle. There were other highly trained slingers in the group. The difference is they were running scared for 40 days. All of God's people had the same advantage of, of God fighting for them, but only one took advantage of what God would do for them. David was not the most skilled warrior. He was skilled, but he was not the most skilled. But David knew he had the advantage because he had learned how to trust God. He didn't have a different advantage that, than, than anybody else. Listen to me. This is the most important part that you're going to hear this morning. This is what separates David from the rest of them. David had a greater awareness awareness of his advantage think about it if you believe in Jesus you have the same spirit of God in you that lives in Billy Graham you have the same spirit that lives in Smith Wigglesworth the only difference is those people tapped into the awareness of the greater advantage that they could operate in let me take it up a notch let's look in your notes in Romans chapter 8 verse 11 read that real quick if you wouldn't mind if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells, who dwells in, in you. Death lays down and dies, and you have the advantage working in you. You have to remind yourself. You have to remind your enemy. I have the advantage, not because I am so good, but because the Spirit of God lives inside of me, and I'm aware of the advantage that that gives me. I don't even think you understand that because I'm going to say it again because it's not processing. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of me, and because I am aware of the Spirit that lives inside of me, I have the advantage of everything that the Spirit of God has the advantage of for me to walk in victory today. The, you, you might have heard it said this way. I've heard the old country farmer say, the Israelites, they saw the man, the, the big, huge man, and said, he's too big to kill. But David said, he's too big to miss. <laughs> You've heard that before. For, right the same situation but one of them was aware of the advantage that they had to operate in the majority saw an impossible obstacle and David saw not an obstacle but an opportunity we read last week in your text that the bigger the giant the more God can be made known in your life 
The bigger the giant, the more God can be made known in your life. If you're just fighting little battles, you got a little God. Let's look in your notes in green ink. Opposition doesn't prevent the presence of God. This is not, this is so good. It provides the opportunity to prove the presence of God in your life. Believers think, if I'm getting attacked, there must be sin in my life. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that, it, it, it doesn't mean that you're just this bad person. It, it doesn't mean, it, 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 what God's trying to do, he's trying to develop something in you. There's trust factors that need to be developed. Whenever you're going through the small battles, you learn to develop the trust of God in the small battles so that when you get to the big battles, you have the same trust that you had when you went through the small battles. There's awareness levels that need to be reached in the the more you operate inside of that, the greater awareness you have of what the Spirit of God living inside of you will give you the advantage of. David was not stronger. He just saw the situation differently. It's not how life comes at you. It's how you view what is coming at you. That gives you the advantage. Another way of saying that is your perspective. I believe that when David was shouting down Goliath, he had a bit of nerves running through him. He's a 12, 13-year-old boy, and there's all these men out there. He's, he's the small guy. But David knew he had the advantage. He knew how faith had increased in his life when he fought the bear, when he fought the lion. Doing something scared because even though you know it's tough, I have the advantage. We learned a couple of weeks ago. This, you guys, I'm about to start shouting down in here. I ain't got excited yet. This, if, if you get this next, next concept that I'm talking to you about, every one of you going to jump up and start running and shouting and praising God because, man... We learned a couple of weeks ago that David um, was going to get, or whoever won, whoever beat Goliath, was going to get the king's daughter, and that was part of the reward, but he was also going to get a lifelong of not having to pay taxes. I think that right there would have caused me to be like, I'm going to take this one, I'm going to try this. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I die? I still don't have to pay taxes. So like, I think that would have kind of made me like, you know what, all right, um, that, that's pretty good rewards, but here's what we can learn from that. In your notes, you guys, come on. An unrecognized advantage is an unclaimed reward. Ooh, we can go home on that one. Anyone could have stepped up that day and claimed the victory, but because the advantage was unrecognized, the reward for 40 days was unclaimed. When I was in college, Adrienne and I went to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. And whenever you would sign up for college, I'm assuming they still do this, they give you an ID card. That ID card is what gave you access to all the buildings on campus and wherever you might need to go. Um, that <clears throat> same ID card gave us access to what was known as SAGA. At ORU, Saga is the dining hall, and you find out after you start attending there why they call it Saga, and it's because all the food is Saga-y. And so they nicknamed it Saga because it's a typical college dining hall. And at the beginning of the school year, my parents, I was in a different situation, my parents paid for my school up front, um, and whenever they paid for the school for the year of school, they would pay for my meals on that dining card. So on that ID card, uh, I had all the meals I wanted three times a day, and I could hang out in there as long as I wanted. As long as I went and swiped that card, um, I had 
all of the food that was available to me. If I chose to use the ID card to get in the dining hall, it was up to me. I didn't have to go get there. Once I met Adrienne and found out she had a lot of money, we used her dining card. And we went out to eat on her so that way I could save my dad. We used her dad's credit card. Okay. But, but here's the revelation. If I used it or not, the meals were already paid for. It was up to me to go swipe the card. I had the advantage of three paid meals per day for the entire school year, but if I chose not to use them, it does not mean the meals were not paid for. It simply means I did not take advantage of what was already paid for. My advantage comes in using what has already been paid for. When Jesus came to the cross, he paid for you to have the advantage while you occupied the earth. The pay, he paid the price for you. The problem is you're walking around defeated because you don't realize you have the advantage of everything that Jesus did on the cross for you because you've not been made aware of what that advantage provides for your life. Let's look in your notes. Let's pick up. You can put that phone down. We're going to pick up right there. That's where we left off last week by added some. We're going to finish out 1 Samuel of this story. It's long. Go ahead and read that whole thing. Follow along. Oh, sorry. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shiram as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the, from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Kind of gross. That is. Yeah. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Let me summarize this for you. When David cut off his head, it was a symbol or a sign of total victory. Goliath was already dead. In that day, when they cut off the head of the one they were fighting, that means I dominated. The Israelites were satisfied with not just being killed in those 40 days, but David wanted to show something more. I believe this symbolizes a lot of Christians today. A lot of Christians are satisfied with getting saved, but they don't recognize the advantage of total victory. Jesus doesn't come so we can escape the earth. He came to eliminate darkness in our lives. 
David just didn't feed the enemy. He annihilated it. He destroyed it. And then he cut off his head and said, I have complete and total victory. Jesus didn't come to defeat sin. He destroyed it. He didn't come to die to deliver us from death. He died that we would reign in life. Jesus cut off the head of sin so that you can live in total victory and live in the advantage of what that victory begins to look like. Listen to this. David went into a battle without a sword, but he left the battle with the sword that was supposed to take him out. (laughs) David took what the enemy meant to use against him and used what the enemy used against him to deliver him to show dominant victory over him. I don't think you all get that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead a few chapters, and this isn't part of the text, but it's amazing. It just, I want to tie in some loose ends. Uh, four chapters later in 1 Samuel 21 or 22, the king who um, just gave David the reward of beating Goliath is now trying to kill David. Um, it's an interesting story. You should go read it. Um, but one of the king's men tells David, there's an urgent mission, and you need food and a sword. Well, David didn't have food, or he didn't, and he didn't have a sword. This, this is years later after he killed Goliath. They put the sword in the temple, and he didn't have a sword. He didn't have that sword anymore. Um, David is in the temple, and he asked the priest, he said, The king has commissioned me to go on this urgent mission. Do you happen to have a sword that I can use? And the priest said, As so happened, chance, I do have a sword. He goes and gets a sword. He takes that sword and brings it to David. And what sword is it? The very sword that he used to take off Goliath's head. (laughs) David is a little bit nervous because the king is wanting to kill him. And it just happens to be the only weapon that is near David is the one that he's already been victorious with one time. (laughs) God is showing David, I delivered you that time, so I'm going to put the very tool in your hand that I delivered you with last time to give you the understanding that I'm going to deliver you this time. Look inside your notes. Yesterday's victories will be the weapons God uses for tomorrow's battles. The very thing that was meant to destroy you will be the very thing God uses to deliver you. It will be the very thing that God puts in your hand to show you, I got you through the last one. I'm going to get you through this one. I'm going to get you through the next one. But you've got to take the sword and say I have the advantage and awareness of what God has done on the inside of you God will use your battles that you are facing right now to give you the tools necessary for the battles that are to come thank you you get it only one of you got the unction to stand up I'm telling you if you understand the battle that you're facing in the awareness of the magnitude of the God inside of you you don't ever look at the battle the same way again I walk in complete health I walk in complete victory I walk according to what heaven has already provided for me because that is the advantage and I am aware of what God has done for me if you don't become skillful in fighting the battle today you won't have the victor sword to remind you of the battle next time. You have the advantage to fight your battle today. 
So open up your mouth. And you start speaking to your mountain. And that mountain will be moved. And you will be victorious because you have the advantage. I kind of want to do six more weeks of this and just, just hang out right here. I, I told Adrian, and this is in my notes. See, anytime I get off my notes, I start rambling and I go where I don't go. So I apologize in advance if I say something I'm not supposed to say. But I told Adrian the other day, I said, in the last two, three years, I don't even think the same way I did. I don't even operate the same way I did. Whenever you get the word of God on the inside of you, it begins to transform the even... I am sick and tired of negativity. I'm sick and tired of doubt, of unbelief. You're not aware of the advantage of what God has already done for you. So start walking in the victory that has already been made available to you. You don't have to walk in defeat. You don't have to walk in, oh my gosh, what to, what's the day going to be? Shut up! You quit talking like that because you're not aware of what God has already done for you. I said for two years, I feel like I just keep going from mountaintop to mountaintop. And she's like, it's because you're in the word more than you've ever been. You're praying more than you've ever had. And you're speaking what God's going to do every week. And it begins to change you from the inside out. So stop walking defeated. We have a lot of emotional talks in our house like this. And I get just as excited talking to her one-on-one -on -one than I do with all of you. Do, do I not? Matthew, why are you shaking your head? I'll get excited with a paddle later. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let me get practical about David and Goliath. You and I don't have nine foot nine giants waiting outside these doors for us. Uh, we don't have battles that we've got swords and medieval weaponry that we're, we're worried about. The Apostle Paul actually tells us what battles we're going to face. And let's look in your notes and read 2 Corinthians. Just go ahead and read both of those sections through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the demolishing of strongholds. Keep going. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a re readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The battle you are facing today is not flesh and blood. The battle you are facing today is not fought with slings and swords and artillery and all the things we learned about. The battle you are fighting today is fought with the supernatural power of God against the enemy. Uh, in the text we just read, we demolish strongholds in our mind. It's one thing to fight Goliath when there's a giant standing in front of you. It's another thing to fight a giant when it's hiding in your heart. It's easy to turn from Eliab, your brother, and that will make sense if you were here two weeks ago, who was talking bad about David, who was his opposition. It's, it's easy to turn from your brother who is talking bad about you, but it's, it's hard to turn from yourself. When you begin to tell yourself things, I just don't know if I can do this. I just don't know if God's going to do I just don't have the money. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the whatever. And you begin to talk to yourself. 
It's, it's easy to turn from the doubt of Saul saying, I want to put this armor on you to fight the battle that you're supposed to fight my way. And David says, I'm not prepared to fight that battle your way. I've got to do it the way that I've been trained. That's kind of an easy battle to fight. But it's hard to turn from doubt that you tell yourself. It's one thing when Goliath intimidates you. But what do you do when the intimidation comes from within? David was skilled in every sense of the word. But what separated David from every other person, he was aware of his advantage. If you're going to be aware of our advantage, how do we develop the advantage that David operated in? This is how we're going to close out today's message. How do I increase my awareness? Write down number one. I must be a house of prayer. We pray for the situations we are facing. We ask the Lord for wisdom. We stop and and, and we listen for an answer. We spend time praying to be with the Lord. In prayer, we take on the nature of what God wants in the situation. In proper prayer, we no longer pray what we want. We pray what God wants. So the very thing that we used to pray for, God, would you please do this? God says, I'm going to do something in you. You're trying to pray to get God to do something, and God wants you to pray to be with him so he can get you to see his perspective on the something. We are doing our our yearly prayer January 7th. I want you to join us in that. Because my, my goal is to make you aware of the advantage that you have as a believer in Christ. And it comes first through being a person of prayer. And so January 7th through the 13th, we're going to do seven days of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you to go to our website, pathwaychurchok.com. On the homepage, there is a button that says prayer and fasting. Click on that. There are resources you can watch. There's one video on there I want you to watch before you start. It's 27 minutes long, super easy. It'll get you fired up about praying and all of that. Prayer is our first uh, awareness increase level that we're going to operate in. The second way we increase our awareness, number two, we pursue God's presence. Your reference is James 4, 8. There's two ways we're going to pursue God's presence. Write down, this would be 2.1, give time to the word of God. As a believer, there's nothing more important than you can do than be in God's word. By far, more than prayer, more than worship, you be in God's word. There, this is where we develop our faith. This is where we develop the starting of the faith skills that we need to operate in. Uh, when we read the word, this is, this is, it builds truth inside. When we learn to stop doubting what the Lord wants us to do because we already have the truth of what God's word has already done for us. It gives us the advantage. I was reading on Friday. Yeah, Friday. I was just finishing up Romans, and as I, was, I hit a certain verse, and something just triggered off inside of me, and I stopped. I began to pray that one verse, and I did something I don't normally do. I stopped talking. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I just got quiet. And I felt the Lord speak very clearly, treasure my word in your heart. And if I would have been so wrapped up in what I was doing, I wouldn't have felt the Lord speak to me. And so I began to look up what the word treasure means, and it means to own. And so it says, to own my word in your heart. Take possession, take ownership, 
be aware of the advantage that I've given you. The second way we pursue God's presence, this would be 2.2, give time to worship. Give time to worship. We already have set in our calendar next year in April, September, and whatever, three times we're going to have a night of worship up here because we want to pursue God's presence in those nights of worship. Uh, we're going to lay hands on people. We're going to pray for people. We're going we're to let the Spirit do what the Spirit does, and it's going to be powerful. But we want to help you get into the presence of God. Um, worship uh, is... is what God uses often to fight our battles. When Joshua took orders to march around Jericho, God told him, you will take the city through worship. When we worship, we activate faith in what is to come, not what we see. Worship is an act of being thankful. When we are thankful for something, that means we've already received it. The third way we increase in our awareness, we share our story with people. Share your story with people. Acts 4.33 is your reference. I mean this by several things. Let's read in your notes. Revelations 12.11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Meaning your testimony or your story reveals how we as believers be overcome the enemy. We share with others what God's doing in our lives. Why? Because we read in verse 46 of 1 Samuel, you win your battles so you can glorify God. When you share your testimony, when you share your story, you are revealing Jesus to others. The second aspect of sharing your story is we listen to others' stories. I, I, I'm always interested that it seems people are real gung-ho about sharing their story, but when it comes to listening to someone else's story, they, they don't really care. When you hear of what God is doing in someone else's life, it encourages you. It, it makes you have a greater hunger, a greater sense of awareness. It, whenever you study David as a so-called underdog that, and realize that he wasn't the underdog after all, he just knew how to fight the battle on God's terms, not the enemy's terms. It gives us hope to realize you have the advantage. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. 
If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K, dot com, send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer, and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.